This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Is It Philosophy? Here we are the seekers of truth. We are the askers of the questions. We are the answerers of those questions? Maybe. I don't know. Each episode, myself and a guest or two will start with a question. Then we will set out on a journey to find an answer. In the end, it's up to you to determine, is it philosophy? All right, everybody, we are back for another episode. I am joined today by Brandon Crowd from the the Lapped podcast. Lapped traffic. Lapped traffic. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. No problem. So... Today's topic, I feel, needs a disclaimer on my part. Okay. I, I am not a sports fanatic. I know a little bit of hockey. Um, that's about it. The guys I work with are sports crazy. They do the fantasy football, the the whole everything. So today's topic is, should professional athletes make as much money as they do? And to start off, I'm going to throw this at you and, and hear what you have to say first. Okay. So, um you know, when when you asked uh, everyone in the the Big Heads Network thing to you know maybe go sign up, I, I was scrolling through. I'm like, I really like this topic because um, it can be viewed from so many different perspectives. You can view it from the average sports fan that just is a casual watcher, depending on if they're maybe at a bar, friend's house, something like that. That's going to generate one opinion. I think you'll have your diehard sports fans that'll generate another one. Your business people will generate one. I, I think there are so many different perspectives uh, that this question and topic can take, and not necessarily any of them are wrong. Um, but just to kind of give an idea of where I'm coming from and where my opinion might is, or is going to be generated from, uh, I consider myself a diehard sports fan. Uh, I must uh, in that I spend a lot of time doing a podcast that's based around a sport that, you know, I don't get paid for. Uh, I like sports. It's a great, you know, relaxer for me, even though I get, you know, caught up in the heat of the moment sometimes. Um, but that said, I'll start with, uh, I don't have a problem with what professional athletes make. Um, it, it's a privatized business and capital markets really drive things in that area. It, it's supply and demand. And if somebody's willing to pay, um, you know, then I don't necessarily have an issue from that regard. And, you know, we can get deeper here as, as uh, you maybe chime in here with, with your take on it. But, you know, it, it's it's a capital market uh, driven sector of entertainment. And from that regard, you know, um, if someone's willing to pay X amount for a player, uh, you know, that might mean, depending on what sport we're talking about, if there's cap space or something like that, that another player may not be able to make as much. Um, you know, uh, if you look at the Detroit Lions, for example, 15% uh, of their entire salary is stretched out across three guys, yet they've got a 64-man roster, you know. So I'm sure some of those guys maybe uh, have a problem, but everybody wants to get paid in today's society. Oh, yeah, Totally. I, I don't have a problem necessarily with the free market end of it. To me, it's it's the whole idea of these guys are making millions and millions of dollars. And depending on the sport, all they're doing is is chasing a ball, right? Or a football or a puck or a, a whatever, 
right? And and there's so many more people in society, I think, that deserve a, a million dollar plus paycheck. I got a buddy who's a, a veteran. He can barely afford to to go get health care because of all the crap he had to go through being serving two tours in Iraq, one in Afghanistan. And he only made $35,000 a year sure. getting shot at. Yeah, and, yeah. No, and- I I don't disagree with that take at all. And I, you know, and that's where, you know, that's where it always, you know, politics always come into play and stuff. You know, I agree completely. You know, I, I definitely think we don't take enough care of certain people in our society, our veterans, our police, our EMT, our first responders. Uh, those guys do a thankless job and get paid like it, it's it's nothing, you know, and that's obviously an issue. Teachers, you know, they should be making more, you know, and it's like I, I get that argument. I, I do because I, 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 I taught myself for three years at, at Wayne State. Um, I know a lot of teachers. I've, I've got a lot of friends that are police officers and I know a lot of people that have served uh, in the army, uh, a couple in my family, you know, so all of that. Yeah. I I mean, that, that comes into play. I don't know if that's a fair analogy to use though, um, comparing that to professional sports, you know, doctors, for example, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, if if you're going in for heart surgery or or something like that, uh, you want this guy making as much money as possible because that's going to, you know, give some indication that this guy's, really good at what he does. Um, you know, that's, I think the same with a lot of sports, the more someone makes it or uh, professions, the more someone makes in a specific profession is an indicator of their success and, and warrant of that. Um, you know, uh, and again, I think, you know, it just goes down to, well, do we want separation? Do we want, you know, can you afford to pay, you know, uh, I think this ties into like minimum wage laws, like I'd mentioned a little bit ago, you know, do you want people making X amount of dollars for professions that maybe don't warrant X amount of dollars? Now, you on the flip side, that could be thrown right back at me and go, well, is a professional athlete warrantable of, of X amount? If we're not paying it and we're choosing to either take in that sport either through the TV or through attending the game, then, you know, I, I don't know how you can complain about it. Probably not. I don't. I don't know. I think I like your comparison though of of a doctor. But to me, I think the line there draws in. A doctor spends twelve years in school, learning so much, spending so much money, sure. and a lot of these athletes, they don't. They get scholarships, and their schools paid for them. And and I know a few basketball players have come right out of high school and gone into the pros. Sure. No, so I, the, I, I get that. The the comparison there to me is that's kind of where that cuts off because you're they're not spending twelve years in school and. $200,000 in, in student loan debt and everything else to, to get to that level. Yeah. That being said, I do see the, the amount of skill it takes to do something like that. I can't do it. I'm, I'm too fat and slow to, to right. run on a football field. I'm right there with right. you. So, <laughs> all right. So I, I do get that end of it. And I do think that the more skilled you are, the more money you should make. And I, I'm totally on board with that. I just, I think we're getting excessive with guys at work. We're talking about somebody just signed, I think it was like a $42 million contract. I think it was in football or maybe basketball. I don't remember, but $42 million to, to play a game to me is just this insanity. Well, you know, I think, um, I, I mean, I, it's hard to disagree because I mean, we're talking about numbers that, you know, we can't put into perspective. We can't fathom. Uh, I mean, you know, you could take the same 
logic of or the same questioning and do professional athletes make too much money and you can apply that to movie stars you know what's yeah. you know the real skill from uh you know learning lines and acting in a movie you know i probably got a better shot at doing that than i do jogging my ass up and down a basketball court you know <laughs> yeah um, they do you know, so you know i think there are certain things we could apply this same question to but it, it and that's where it's like you know there are there's different classes in society these people are at a completely different level that's why it's entertainment because it's not something that the vast majority of society can do and you know 42 million yeah that, that's an absolute buttload of money like i only need like a percent of that and i could finally pay off my student loans and i like might be able to see retirement at some point in time and then you see the you know i think one of the one of the biggest issues especially in today's world with social media and everybody being able to just be in everybody's face is, you know, um, you would hope somebody that's bringing in $42 million a year or a seat or through a contract, whatever it is, that they're, you know, um, uh, upstanding citizens, you know, to be able to look at towards role models. And what we see on social media are people flaunting and, and throwing it around and, you know, uh, showing off the lavish houses and the cars and all that kind of stuff. And I think that doesn't help the bitter pill to swallow with the everyday person. Oh, no, I, I completely agree with that. I, I think that's probably one of my biggest problems with this whole thing is I, I would love to think that these people are making this kind of money are going to use it to then do something great. And there are athletes that do that. I, I can't think any off the top of my head, but I know there are some I've heard of them that take the money and they start charities or they donate to things or do all of these great things with the money. But then at the same token, you've got this guy who buys a, a $300 million or a $3 million home and like Bentleys and Lexuses and, and all this stuff that, and sh pants that are like more than I make in a year. Sure. Like yeah. pants. Well, and, you know, and that's, uh, you know, um, if I can give a, a shameless plug to the podcast, the Life Traffic podcast and NASCAR, uh, that's uh, one of the many things that I love about the sport that, that I do my show with is that, um, you know, uh, race car drivers, and that's a whole nother topic for debate. If these guys are even considered athletes, I firmly believe that they are. But, uh, you know, these guys are making just as much money, if not more, as some of your your football and basketball and baseball, hockey and, and whatever. Um, and, and you, in my opinion, they do it with a little bit more uh, nicer head on their shoulder. And, uh, you know, those are the guys like, for example, um, some of the charities that these guys do, you know, Joey Logano, for example, um, he brings a kid to the track uh, each week that maybe has a disease, an illness, something not curable. He gets him his own little mini fire suit and gives this kid, you know, the weekend of his life uh, at the track. Uh, there are, I mean, there are just so many things that I see that the NASCAR world and the NASCAR drivers uh, do uh, so much better personally, I think, than some of the other professional sports. Don't get me wrong. It's not that there aren't other charities and things like that. I, I know Matt Stafford's got a charity. I know a lot of these players have charities and do things. Um, I just think some of the way they go about flaunting some of the other stuff, um, you know, hurts their credibility. And, and, you know, like we said, you know, it comes back as viewed as a negative, like, dude, you're making X amount of money, man. Could you dial it in a little bit and, you know, act a little bit more humble, I think would be a good way to put it. Oh yeah, completely. I think that's probably the best way to, to say it is humble would go a long, long way in, 
I think changing my and hopefully other people's out there. I hope I'm not the only one in the entire world that has this opinion. Oh, but... I know you're not. There are <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> I've gotten into this debate with a lot of people, which is which is why I was like, oh, I, I want to do this topic. I really like this topic because you know I I try I come about it from you know I, I try to be as objective with things as possible. That's uh, partly my 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 nature and. Um, you know, like I said, I, I'm working on a PhD in political science, and and I try to present things as objectively as possible. Um, but uh, that said, you know, I, I I don't have an issue with capital markets and the private sector and those things driving forces. Um, you know, I I argue a lot with uh, close friends and family. I, I you know, back in my early day, I used to do the whole political rants and, and arguing on social media and. I, I just I, I don't do that anymore. It doesn't help anybody. I'm not going to change anybody's mind. And that's one of the biggest issues with social media. So I've tr- I've stopped that years ago and it's made my social media experience a lot better. But um, that said, you know, there there are certain political facets that you could apply to this question that could be argued from either side. Oh, completely. To side note to that. I haven't stopped doing that. I just moved our medium from social media to a podcast. So <laughs> I, I still argue with people. I still debate. I know I can't change anybody's mind, but I still love to argue and debate. Well, this is a lot cooler platform, I think, than social media or ranting on Facebook. Like you tell somebody you got a podcast and that just, I mean, talk about not being humble, something I just said, but man, somebody, you know, uh, uh, I, I'm in Berkeley. I've got two bars that my buddy owns that, I can walk to and, you know, you get to go up and just talk to random people. Oh, what do you do? Oh, well, this is what my day job is. But my really cool thing is, is I got a podcast and people let me talk for an hour about myself wanting to know about the podcast. Like it's the coolest hobby in the world. Oh yeah, completely. I love it. That's why I still do it. So to, to change directions here for a second, yeah, I want to look at, so in ancient Greek and ancient Rome, right? They had the Colosseums, they had the, the gladiators who were athletes and you can look through history, and as sort of the collapse of that society came about, those gladiators became more and more wealthy, more and more higher and higher in society, I should say. Is that not something we should be concerned about in our society? As these athletes become bigger and bigger celebrities and are making more and more money, is that not a sign of us just being distracted from the real issues and the real problems by this guy who makes $3 million a year to, to carry a ball? Versus the crap that our government's doing that's hiding this, that kind of like what the Romans did. Dude, yeah, that, that, is, that is an awesome, awesome question. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, and this maybe is a problem with, with sports. You know, I think everybody, uh, most people in America are, they're overworked, they're overstressed. They got a lot of worries, uh, you know, so for someone to sit down for three or four hours on Saturday and Sunday and, and watch, you know, football or basketball, you know, whatever your sport of choice is, uh, and, and to allow that to be your escape, you know, from the overwork, the stress, you know, the bills, all that kind of stuff, you know, that's, you know, maybe that's the negative side to, to privatization of things, you know, because, you know, then that baseball team or the MLB or, or, you know, whatever sport it is takes advantage of that, right? Because, hey, we've got you in. So now we get to know we're getting eyes on the sport on the TV, butts in the seats, uh, and we know you're struggling, but, you know, we're going to price this just enough 
so that most people can afford to come every once in a while to a game um, and, and and capitalize on that, right? Oh, yeah. And I, I think that's another thing that, that we haven't hit yet is the price of tickets and concessions and, and all those things. I was my dad is a, a sports fan. He goes to football games and stuff. And I guess the, the football stadium here in, in Atlanta is one of the cheapest as far as, as concessions go. But I know he's got friends who go all over the country and some of these places are charging twenty dollars a beer for like a regular eight ounce or twelve ounce or whatever it is beer. And that's that's insane. And that's probably, in my opinion, where a lot of this money comes from to give to these athletes is you and I, who are only making forty, fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year, are basically paying these guys salaries. Sure. You know, um, you know, a lot of the salary money comes from uh, revenue from, you know, the the uh, TV agreements and uh, advertising, whether it's in the stadium or on the TV. Um, you know, the, the $20 beer isn't covering uh, the, the full salaries, but but it's definitely adding to the pocketbooks of the owners for sure. Um, and that's another thing I'm just going to boast about my sport on. You can bring a cooler full of beer in, man, and no questions asked. So, you know, that's, that's really another cool thing about NASCAR. Um, but no, I, I travel, uh, my buddies and I, we do one, uh, road trip a year for Lions football. Uh, you know, I, I've been to a couple different baseball stadiums. Uh, and yeah, you know, it depends on where you're at and how new the stadium is, depending on, you know, what the beer price might be. I just got back from, uh, Minnesota a couple weeks ago for uh, Garth Brooks and uh, U.S. Bank Stadium there a couple years old and and man they're they're charging I think it was 15 bucks for you know a, a 32 ounce or, or whatever it might be there you know astronomical prices you know part of that makes me wonder too like all right obviously once you're in the stadium you're going to pay but I I also wonder. And this is like a completely a side note. I wonder if some of these higher beer prices are just to control consumption to a degree. Like at some point you're going to throw the towel and be like, man, I just had four beers at 60 bucks. Uh, I could have bought like eight, 12, 24 packs for that price. Like, you know, I wonder if that just helps control consumption in there so that they don't have you know, fights breaking out in every section, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, I can see that. That would make sense to me. And I, I kind of like that angle on it better than, than the whole right. charging the, the common man to play the pair. So yeah, play that player, you know, like, so it, it's fine. Uh, uh, random side. So uh, what part of Atlanta are you in? Cause I, I've been down there a couple of times. I've got some friends that do a podcast. I've been to Atlanta motor speedway. It's uh, I love Atlanta. It's a great area. I am unfortunately almost to Alabama. We live way, way west of of Atlanta. Okay, cool, cool. All right, yeah, yeah. I've not been to that neck of the woods. Yeah, you're not missing anything, honestly. <laughs> the only thing out here is Six Flags, and beyond not- that, it's all like just crap. Nice. Um, but so, like, so for example, so I'm a Lions season ticket holder, and everybody asks, you know, like, why are you a Lions season ticket holder? And it's so, you know, I don't have, I have the second to cheapest seats at Ford Field. Um, and, and it's a thousand bucks, basically a little more with, you know, convenience charges for, for the whole season. And the reason why I invest in that is not because I'm some diehard Lions fan. I'm actually a diehard Patriots fan. Um, and what started the Lions season tickets for me was my wife, when we were dating, um, 
one Thanksgiving, the Patriots were playing the Lions here at Ford Field. And my uh, girl, well, wife now bought tickets for us to go to the Thanksgiving Day game. And that started a tradition. And that tradition got a little pricey when I'm like, we're paying 300 bucks on the secondary market, sometimes more, depending on who they were playing, to go to one game a year. Um, for a thousand bucks, I can get tickets to every game, selectively go to the ones I want and sell the ones. Like it was just, it just didn't make sense not to. We weren't going to stop our tradition. So it just made sense to do the season ticket package. And it, like I said, it's not like I, I have, you know, 50 yard line seats, they're upper bowl in the end zone, you know? So it's like, you know, but again, you know, that's it's something that I choose a thousand dollars could go a long way in something else throughout the year. But that's something that I choose to invest in that a sports team is being able to take advantage of. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's value in entertainment, right? I think no matter what your chosen entertainment is, it's there's, there's value in that. And I think that's, to me, that's probably where this, this whole debate falls apart is, you're getting a value that may not may or may not be equal to to the the cost of the player right if if you look at it as i can chill and relax and turn my brain off and and just enjoy this beauty that is this sport cuz i wholeheartedly think there is a tremendous amount of athleticism and beauty in any sport right but it's that that value that maybe that that i can't think of the right word for it right now the the unquantifiable value that yeah, you get no, from it, it. it you know, what I value going to a Lions game um, as a season ticket holder is going to be a different value than somebody that goes to one game a year. That person may hold extra value to that because it's not something that they're doing on a regular basis. Where for me, I don't go to hardly any Red Wings games. So I might value that more than someone that goes to the Red Wings game a little more. So I think it all just depends on um, how often you do something. And I'm not saying that in terms of whether or not you can't afford to be able to do it, but maybe that's not where you choose to put your entertainment dollar. I don't go to the movies. I hate going to the movies. Like if my wife is able to drag me to the movies once a year, like she's like hit the jackpot on that. Like I just don't understand going and sitting three hours and spending 15 bucks on a tub of popcorn, but yet I'll justify going and spending 15 bucks on a drink at Fort Field, you know? So it's just all on what you consider value for your hard-earned dollar. Yeah, and so to throw my hypocrisy out there a little bit, I'm a huge, huge music fan. I've, I've been played in bands, I've listened to, I go to concerts all the time. For me, I don't have any problem with a band like Metallica or Garth Brooks or anybody making 10, 15, $20 million a year but on the other side of that coin, I, I tend to have a little bit more of an issue with a, a player making that. So I, I can see how that argument of where you put your entertainment value is is valid because I will I will support. I will go buy every time Metallica comes to Atlanta. I'm going to that show because that's who I grew up on. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, that's. Uh... I think, again, just to kind of reiterate what you just said, it's just, you know, what you consider value for, for your money, you know, like, um, you know, travel to Minnesota to go see Garth Brooks. That's how awesome that dude is and ended up going both nights, like, because we were, he's just an awesome entertainer, great music and, and love it. Um, you know, I, I, I honestly, I spread it out as much as I can in terms of, all right, you know, music and, and sports and uh, love going to comedy shows, you know, it, it's 
and, and again, I think it all just kind of ties back into, you know, you know, I'm going to assume most of your listeners are in that, you know, middle class range, you know, it's like, dude, I gotta, I gotta, I just spent 50 hours a week doing something I can't stand and I gotta go forget about it for four hours. So that's a good point. I think there's a level of, and I can only speak for me at this point, but I think there's a level of jealousy in making $20 million a year and getting to do something they absolutely love to do. This is a, something they did as five, six, seven-year-old kids for free that now they're getting paid millions of dollars to do and love every minute of it, or hopefully they love every minute of it, right? I wouldn't, I would personally. Well, you know, I think, oh, go ahead. No, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, like, that's the thing, right? Like, you know, you hear most athletes say, you know, I, I get paid to do what I love to do, which is awesome. But then, you know, and I also get how it's really hard to take this into perspective. But like the Detroit Tigers, for example, are atrocious. Baseball, longest season, 162 games, right? The Tigers are going out there and it is, I can't watch two innings of Tigers baseball right now. It's so bad. And these guys are out there making a lot of money, right? But man, from that perspective, right? Like everybody has a bad day at work. And I think that's what's hard for the average person to keep into perspective. Granted, they're athletes. Granted, they're playing a sport. They're getting anything you get paid to do is work, right? They're getting paid to work. And from that perspective, this is where I try to be objective. And it's like, man, it's got to be hard for that guy to go out there and play and struggle through night in three hours of getting your ass handed to you right now. Like, again, it's hard for us to put into perspective because you're making so much money. But on the same token, they're having a bad day, you know, just like we have bad days, you know, they, as much as they're compensated well to do what they do, um, they probably need to decompress with something outside of sports when it's their off season. I think so. I, th- I think there may be a, a good point there. I also think that we're missing out something, some other, uh, sorry, I can't talk tonight. It's one of those days. <laughs> I, I think we're missing another very valuable idea or, or a point here too, is the amount of damage these guys do to their bodies. 162 games a year, that has got to create wear and tear on your body. And and so if you take the $20 million or whatever it is a year and divide that over a lifetime of medical bills and everything else, it may not be as much money as we like to think. Sure. A hundred percent. You know, uh, you know, I, I think more people look towards the NFL with concussions because that's such a, a a much more violent sport. I mean, if you look at that and just look at it, all right, the NFL, uh, if we're just looking from a regular season perspective, is, you know, uh, 16 games. And you compare that to another professional sport that's only that, that baseball that does 162 games. Uh, and then you throw postseason on and, and uh, the grapefruit. I mean, you're looking at almost 200 games of baseball if you're, you know, you're starting mid-February for your preseason. And if you make it into, you know, the pennant race or something like that, you know, it's 200 plus days out of 365. Like you said, that's tolling on the body. And then, you know, you look at the NFL with these guys and, and their concussions, um, you know, that uh, again, you know, it's a decision they choose to make. They could say no. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I would say no if I was a physical beast of a human being and I was back in my early 20s, you know, 
knowing the risks, uh, would I turn down that kind of money? Probably not. I would probably take that risk because uh, knowing that I could take care of my family and for probably a few generations to come, uh, you know, that that's that's something that I would think I would do. Oh, yeah, I know I would without a doubt. Uh, if I had that talent and that ability, I, I would do it in a moment. Absolutely. But I, I I do think that there is something to be said, though, for the, the amount of abuse those guys put on their body. And looking at it from that perspective, I, I hate to be I hate to say it, but I, I can see where the value of getting that much money every year, because I mean, I don't know what they pay for health insurance because uh, for all the stuff they do or if the player or the team pays for it or whatever. But even after you retire, somebody's got to pay those medical bills that are going to come from baseball, the torn rotator cuff or whatever I hear about all the time about from pitchers and Tommy concussions Brown, and, and all of those things that, that come from all of that has to be, I mean, just think about somebody who works a desk job and gets carpal tunnel, right? That's, that's an expensive bill. Sure. Now you're dealing with something way, way higher up on the scale of, of pain and difficulty to treat. Yeah, no, Absolutely. Well, and another thing, too, is, you know, uh, we're looking just kind of like, you know, how we do at a lot of things. We're looking at, at gross earnings. We're not looking at net earnings. And even though still the net side still probably pretty good. Uh, but, you know, you hear, uh, you know, $50 million contract for five years, $10 million a year for whatever and whatever sport. Um, you know, we also need to take into consideration that, hey, there are some hefty taxes coming at, at earnings that high. Dude's probably got an agent that's getting a nice chunk of change. Probably got an assistant. At, you know, there, there are a lot of people that are taking a cut before the paycheck clears. And again, I understand that paycheck amount still pretty high. Uh, but these figures that we do here are gross figures, you know. So uh, that, that is something, too, that, that should be, I think, taken into account when, when talking about something like this. Oh yeah, I completely agree. I, I definitely think the the money they're taking home has got to be less than than what we're actually seeing when the those numbers come out when they sign those contracts. Absolutely, you know, I, it's funny. You know, I think uh, when Miguel Cabrera signed his uh, big contract with the Tigers, that we're all now kind of regretting. And granted, he's still with the team, but he's not producing. You know, the the I, I forget the dollar amount that the the total contract was for in the years, but when you averaged his number of at bats a season, uh, based out over the number of years and the amount of money, every at bat it was going to average out to like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something like that, or no, maybe fifty thousand, a lot of money, four or five figures just to step up to the plate each time. Like it was, it was absurd just to hear that. You know, and that's, again, it, it, I, I circle back around to we're talking figures that we can't fathom. We wouldn't know what to do with. It would be like if we were to hit the Powerball or the Mega Millions or something like that. Like these are life changing numbers that it, it's hard to um, think realistically about. Oh, yeah. So it's it's funny. I was watching. I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Side note, I am so pissed at how that ended. Anyway. But I, I'm glad I didn't invest time into that show. Ah, I'm mad I did. But <laughs> I, I say that because I was reading an article that the the woman, I forget her name, but she plays the Cersei Lannister. She was making a million dollars an episode this season. 
And the second to last season or the second to last show, all she did, she stood in a window and, and drank a glass of wine. And she made a million dollars to stand in a window and drink a glass of wine. Right. So yeah, yeah. It, you got to put that into perspective too. And I, I think too, that that's another thing. I, I think entertainment actors, musicians, they, I think, lump into this category too. I think not just athletes, but I think we, we're talking about entertainers, right? Sure. In, the, in the idea. Yeah, no, I can uh, completely. So um, to, to kind of, uh, to go along with that, I was a big, uh, big bang theory fan and, you know, the three main cast stars on that were making a million plus their last couple seasons, you know, and there were some episodes where they weren't in it that much. And, that one, I wasn't upset. I thought they did a nice job with the season finale on that one, or the series finale on that one. I, I love that one. I don't have cable, so I'm waiting for it to come out on Netflix or somewhere that I can stream it and, and watch it, because I love that show, too. Yeah, they 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 did do what they were supposed to do. They tied everything up nicely, and I le- uh, the show ended, and I felt satisfied. <laughs> good that one will hopefully make up for for game of thrones nice yes yeah i i lance i literally have not seen an episode the only things i've heard about game of thrones in the last two weeks were something about a starbucks cup on a table and how awful the series finale was yeah that's that pretty much sums up season eight right there <laughs> Which to me that that also kind of plays into what you were talking about with the the tigers baseball team right these guys are still making a million dollars plus and it's crap, but whose fault is it that it's crap, right? Whose fault is it that they're making all this money, but they're not producing the the level of work that we, we would expect, right? Cause we're, I'm assuming at this point, we're assuming that it is work to them. They're getting paid. It's a job, right? Sure. So yep. whose, whose fault is it that they're, they're making all this money, putting all this time and effort and work into something that isn't of the caliber that it should be. And, if that's the case, and if they're working that hard and not producing, how do they? Where does the the accountability come into that? Do they lose money on that? Like, if if I wasn't producing at my job, I get fired or get demoted. Is it their fault they're not producing, or how does how do we want to play that end of it? I guess. Well, so I get you know I guess the difference probably between you or I in that perspective is is you know. They work under contract, and I I don't work under contract. I, I'll assume you don't work under contract. So I think that probably plays a role into it, um, you know, and the fact that teams are obligated to follow certain salary requirements and designations to where they can't just offload everybody. And, you know, all right, we're letting everybody go, and we are going to start from scratch. You know, they're, the the leagues have some rules and restrictions as to – you know, how you can let a player go, when you can let a player go based on contract verbiage and and that sort of thing. So that plays a role. Where, for example, the Detroit Tigers are taking a hit is, you know, uh, four years ago on a Wednesday night, they were drawing 30 plus thousand people to the stadium. Um, The announced attendance figures I have been hearing are between 10 and 15, but that's just because supposedly those are the tickets that were sold. I can tell you with confidence that there are roughly, probably about 5,000 people attending a Tigers game. Uh, so when you, if you're the Illiches owning the Detroit Tigers, 
your pocketbooks are taking a hit. Uh, you are not bringing in as many $15 beers or $10 beers. You're not selling the concessions. You're not selling the apparel. You're not selling as many tickets. So from that regard, I think the accountability comes down to owners uh, and having to put in the right coaching. Uh, and that's a big thing. Uh, and it always ends up coming down to coaching because the owners aren't going to sell the team. MLB isn't going to come and say, hey, you have to sell the team because you're not putting X amount of people into the stadium or you're not, you know, your win loss percentage isn't at this. So it's going to come down to the owners saying, all right, well, we're going to put a new manager in place. And then it's the manager. Well, we're going to rebuild and we're going to shit, you know, so the accountability, I think, in professional sports, uh, obviously different from the nine to fiver type gig. Um, but I, I think that's in a very loose perspective you know, how they try to hold accountability and where accountability falls. Because I'll tell you, the Illiches would much rather have 30,000 people and a lot more beer sales than the 5,000 people that are coming in. Oh, definitely. So the way I was going with that is, do you think that it would change the sport, any sport, if we started holding players accountable for their, their play on the field as opposed to just giving them X amount of dollars no matter what happens? Like if, so if you weren't producing enough revenue, we'll call it for the, the team, your paycheck takes a hit. I th- would that not incentivize guys like in, in a regular nine to five job where you get bonuses for your, your level sure. of output? Yeah. Could that I, not work the same way? Yeah. Well, so like, for example, like I, I, I know there are bonuses worked in, not that these guys need a bonus, right. In, in terms of, of numbers and stuff like that, that we've been talking about. But there are production bonuses and there are incentives like, hey, if the team makes the playoffs, you know, you get, you know, a certain amount. Or if you make the the championship game, if you win the championship, you get bonuses. So they actually kind of do have extra incentives already built into these massive contracts to a degree. Uh, I think to base and to, but their salaries are still to somewhat guaranteed, depending on what sport we're talking about. Um so I think to, to do a complete 180 on that and make it like, hey, uh, you know, your salary is going to be dependent on your batting average. Uh, you know, if you bat, you know, under, you know, 220, uh, you're only going to make X. And if you're between 220 and 270, you know, I, I, I don't, you're, you know, and if we go to football, if your completion percentage as a quarterback is between, you know, 49 and 52, I don't know tiering things would work from a professional sports level because we're so far into this and and what we're at now. Uh, And the fact that all of these uh, leagues have player unions, player unions would never let anything like that go through because, you know, the unions are there for the players because the union makes money, which helps, you know, it's, it's a vicious circle, but I, I don't, I like where you're going at it in terms of tiering it, but I don't think it's something that would, that would, be realistic in today's professional sports. Oh, no, I don't think so either. But I, I do think that, that that changes the nature of the, the game tremendously. Oh, yeah, it, it definitely would. It, it definitely would. You would, you know, like, for example, you know, um, you know, like we if we go back to the Tigers and, and their struggle, you know, uh, you can kind of see not 100% effort out there. And it's because they're struggling. They know they're going to struggle. They know they're in a rebuild. Um, you know, and the really, you know, a guy doesn't run to first and maybe could have beat it out, you know, but 
maybe there's not they're not running it out you know and if if you were held a little bit more accountable for doing that that could change things a little bit yeah and i think that accountability accountability is is naturally built into other forms of entertainment music specifically comes to my mind right if metallica puts out san anger for instance and it doesn't sell they're not going to make that huge paycheck because nobody's buying the album if nobody's buying the album nobody's coming to the tour sure their paycheck decreases whereas that accountability and that level of output isn't built into athletes as much i'm sure if if i suck for three or four years at, at whatever sport i'm probably not getting another 10 million dollar contract right but it's going to take years it's not going to be immediate oh crap i didn't put in the effort to this now i'm losing money no i yeah that exactly uh you know that's the thing there's such a there, there's such a lag in terms of when it actually starts to hit the player you know that's why after their first rookie signing you know they want to go get paid bank in case they do struggle or they do get injured uh your second contract in most professional sports is typically your highest paid one and in most cases it's also your last if you look at the longevity uh in the average sports player uh you know the nfl i think the average tenure is only three seasons uh you know your brady's breeze uh, you know, those are your exceptions to the rule that, that add to the outlier. But it's also those guys that are also the outlier in the earnings, too. You know, um, the, you look at what the uh, average lineman versus your wide receiver and your quarterback are making. And then you look at what the practice squad is making. Uh, you know, I think a lot of focus just goes on the 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 stars and the key players on teams in, in across all the sports that kind of throw some of these figures. Um, you, you know, like I said, they, they skew them a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I know in in I think it's hockey the the average rookie salary I think is a is five hundred thousand, which to take that much damage to your body. And granted, they're younger players, but it still has a, a damaging effect to the body and only make $500,000 granted that's a huge number, but sure. in the, in the aspect of what it's doing to you and how long you're going to play, I don't think it's as, as lucrative as we want to want to believe, right? Especially if three seasons in football, that's when you get, if you get 1 million a season, that's, that's $3 million for the rest of your life to have to deal with the amount of damage and just pain you're going to have to live with. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing too, you know, uh, you know, we talk about the one and done rule in, in college basketball because they go to the pros. Uh, NFL, you typically are going three to four years, you know, and, and you are in, uh, a, you know, for the fourth wall, put in quotation air quotes, you know, you're getting a college education. You're getting a degree for the most part. Right. That's why these players aren't getting paid because of you're getting a free education. And that's where they're that, that's what they're putting the reward for going and all that. And that's a whole nother debate there. Right. But that said, um, you know, when you look at what these college uh, guys are doing that, that then go to the pros uh, and if they get hurt or injured and they're one of those guys that maybe only play two or three years and only made two or 3 million, um, you know, odds are that they're not skilled in, in anything else. Um, and, and it's probably very difficult for them to go and find something else to do. Granted, 
I would like to think I can make two or three million last a lifetime. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're 22 years old um, and you got to stretch two or three million out over 30, 40 years, that's really not a lot of, of money without some really good, smart investments. And as we know, these guys don't make the smartest uh, investment choices. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. So I hear my my children screaming in the background. So uh, I hate to do it, but I think we may have to cut this one a little bit shorter than normal. No. Um, but I do like to give everybody that kind of joins me the last word on this. So giving you the last word, what do you think? Are they worth the, the $10, $15, 20000000 million salaries every year? Oh, I think they are subjectively worth that. Uh, you know, for me, someone that likes sports and, and likes to get my entertainment value out of that. And since I'm not cutting that full salary check and maybe only a small portion in my ticket price or concession sales and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, like, you know, we talked about really early on, you know, are there other professions that need to be making a lot more? Absolutely. Uh, but if we're if we're just talking professional sports, hey, man, I, I enjoy it as a hobby. I enjoy to watch it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, if if there's money for them to be made with it, then, hey, by by all means. Yeah, I, I have to I have to say I, I have to agree with that because entertainment value versus damage to the body. It, it's probably a, a fair trade off sure. in, in the long run. Yep. Yep. So before you go, I want to give you the opportunity to to tell everybody where they can reach you, your show again, and and just kind of tell everybody how they can find you again. Awesome. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. This was fun. I'd be happy to do it again. Uh, so I am the host of the Lapped Traffic Podcast. You can follow on Twitter at Lapped Traffic PC. I do a weekly NASCAR show uh, that I talk about all three series of, of NASCAR trucks, Xfinity and Cup. Uh, I have... Uh, Tons of different guests from drivers across all three series, uh, media people within the sport, beat writers within the sport. Uh, It's never a boring show. There's fantasy. There's uh, listener call-in shows. Um, It's a lot. It's a ton of fun. It's on iTunes, Podbean, uh, you name it, you can find it, uh, the Lap Traffic Podcast. And, hey, man, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. We'll definitely, if you if you want to join me again, let me know. It'd be a, a great opportunity to, to talk again. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. All right. Well, thank you. And we will talk to you guys again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Okay. So there it is. Is it philosophy? Go to our website at www.isitphilosophy.com and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter and Facebook as well. Help us grow by going onto iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe. And take a moment and leave a review. Until next time, question everything, seek your truth, and don't be afraid to speak your truth.